Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are broadcasting from the 41st Annual TAP State Conference on Addiction Studies, broadcasting from the Hyatt Regency Hill Country Resort and Spa in San Antonio, Texas. This is a place that uh, probably should have its own zip code. It's absolutely humongous. Joining us in this uh, particular segment is Paula Heller-Garland. She is uh, she's an old friend, first of all, and a very valued friend. Uh, she is also the president of TAP, the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals. We welcome her to the program, and she's got lots of exciting things to share with us today. First of all, Paula, congratulations on this conference. Certainly one of the biggest in TAP history, well over 500 people, 71 ex- Exhibitors, people from all over the state coming here, and probably some people from outside the state as well. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a phenomenal conference. Uh, I thought that last year was great, being our 40th anniversary, and we have topped it again this year. I'm impressed with the uh, with the content, with the presentations, with the presenters. You seem to have pulled together uh, a great group of presentations, and it's all under the banner this year of removing the mask and finding recovery and, and putting an emphasis on that. Tell us about how the theme developed. Well, you know, it, it's time in our profession that people come out from behind the masks, uh, not just of addiction. We've been dealing with that for, for many years in the in industry. We understand uh, that people hide behind addiction. However, we believe that in order to destigmatize uh, addiction and recovery, people in recovery are going to have to come out and say that uh, they're a person in recovery. And I want to start by telling you that, Neil, I'm a person in long-term recovery and very grateful and proud of that fact and uh, there's no reason in our world today that people need to hide that absolutely down here at the conference uh, as you can hear all in the background all the noise there's a big break going on uh, a lot of people celebrating that recovery and and recovery really is something that needs to be celebrated and and you folks do a great job with that in addition to being the president of uh, tap you also have a day job I sure do. I sure do. You are a professor at UNT. Tell us about tell us about the addiction studies program at the University of North Texas. Um, The University of North Texas, not uh, not far from the uh, Dallas. It's in the Dallas Metroplex. Um, We have uh, an undergraduate degree in rehabilitation counseling. With a you can get a minor or a certification in addiction counseling. We also have a phenomenal graduate program. It's actually the twelfth in the nation and the, the number one in Texas for rehabilitation counseling, Um, and I'm part of the addiction program. Um, Our addiction program offers a person everything they need to become licensed in the state of Texas. How long does that take? Uh, Well, it's a a, a four-year degree, so it's a bachelor's degree in rehabilitation counseling. Uh, A person could come get the content for the LCDC in in a couple of semesters, uh, but we always encourage higher education, of course. How many people are involved in the uh, program at UNT? 
In our undergraduate program, we have about 150 students. We also have a graduate program, and currently we have about 100 students. Is there a placement service involved with that? I mean, people go through UNT, and then there's the real world, but how do you bridge that in terms of getting them jobs? I'm sure there are internships along the way. But is there any way to help them land a spot? Absolutely. Uh, in, in both of our programs, a, a practicum or internship is mm -hmm. required, and many times people get jobs through that. Uh, but also, we have a phenomenal career center at UNT ah. that helps people build resumes, mm -hmm. um, you know, reword things that they don't think maybe fit the qualifications of one thing. You would be surprised. You know, people skills are is if you write them well can can fit the qualifications sure. of many different areas so we have really excellent people who not only uh, help place help place them and, and get them good leads they help with the the building of the resume teaching about professional dress about professionalism and then we also keep a really large database uh, employers can even uh, access our database saying I'm looking for somebody to fulfill this role Wow and so even treatment centers they'll they'll even put um, uh, internships and uh, positions on there for marketing and uh, wow. social media and communication. So even things outside of the scope of counseling mm -hmm. for our business students or our marketing students. I've been fascinated by the, the online presence of many schools around the country, yours included. Tell me about the online courses, how that works. Is, is that in lieu of, in addition to... How does that work? It can be a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You can get our degree on campus. You can get our degree a little bit on campus, a little bit online, or you can get it completely online. Completely, completely online. online. Do you have to live in the state of Texas? You do not. We have out-of-state students wow. all the time. Wow. Yeah. How does something like that work for someone listening around the country who says, okay, now how do you do an online course? I mean, how much time is involved? How, how different is it time-wise from going into a classroom? It's, it's the same. It's required that it be the same. For every three-hour course you take, you're spending about 45 hours, a clock hours, uh, on a class. And it's exactly the same. And uh, interestingly, whenever someone asked me to build my first online class, I mm -hmm. balked at that. I was like, counseling online? How can that happen? And actually, we do a really good job of uh, incorporating all the aspects. I, my, my goal as a professor is to make sure that the person gets the same experience in, a in the online classroom as if they were in the classroom with me. Do you have any contact with them via phone, via Skype, uh, obviously email, but Absolutely, absolutely. I'm available. We mm. have virtual office hours. We do uh, Skype. I've done uh, FaceTime on an iPhone. We've done uh, wow. You know, whatever the student needs. I have uh, I have a class. I guess the maximum I've had in a class in an online class is 225 people. I spend a great deal of time with my online students because I want them to get to know me and I want to know them and I'm very involved in the uh, day in and day out of everything and I'm always available to them by you know virtual office hours, telephone, email, whatever way they find best to. Is, is it required a, a certain amount of FaceTime or, or individual time? It isn't in the, a number of the classes. Mm. Uh, however, in, in for instance, if you take a practicum, you right, have right. to do some. Sure. You have to do the supervision that's required. You were telling me uh, earlier about uh, a new grant that you folks are getting that uh, sounds pretty exciting. Tell me about that. It is, and I am so excited. This is the first time since my employment at UNT that I'm working specifically on a grant for addiction. 
It's called the, it, it's through the Hogg Foundation, mm -hmm. named after our former governor in Texas. Uh, it's uh, Recovery to Practice. Um, recovery to Practice, what does that mean? Well, for a long time we've had that in the mental health side of the uh, arena, that we understand a, a couple of things. One is, um, in the addiction industry, the addiction industry kind of sprang from people in recovery mm -hmm. being asked to come in and help because people don't always understand how to work with people with addiction or don't always understand addiction, period. And uh, we've long known that people in recovery and allies of people in recovery uh, understand that. And so uh, as, the, as the field has been professionalized, and we want that, there's kind of been an exclusion of people in recovery in the field or just the practice of using language of recovery in the field. Mm -hmm. So uh, recovery to practice, uh, UNT's role in this grant is to uh, get, get a survey, scan Texas to find out what we need to make this happen, find out where we need it to happen. Uh, we, we found out through some of our uh, research and our surveys that there, there are parts of Texas that are really underserved and we want to uh, get information to them and, and we've also found out a lot of strengths about what's going on in Texas as far as the treatment industry as well. So the grant is written. Has it been funded? It has. It, it has, has been funded. It has been funded. Will be and will will uh, be funded for four years. Mm. We had our first advisory council meeting last night, right here at the conference. Right, right. Uh, people from all around Texas and various jobs who serve in, in just differing communities and uh, some private pay, some insurance, some indigent care, criminal justice. We had everyone at the table. Uh, and one of the neat things, I think, is we also have a person in recovery that will represent the, the language of recovery for us. Mm. Because something interesting that uh, I find I find so important for us to continue to talk about, even in with addiction professionals, is uh, the, the language is changing. Sure it is. Uh, in order for us to be recognized, in order for us to stop stigmatizing our own... Uh, field and yep. the people we serve, Absolutely. we have to stop calling it substance abuse. Absolutely. We have to stop saying chemical dependency mm -hmm. and start using the appropriate language if we want to be recognized as, an, as a disorder like, like we have been since 1955. One of, the, one of, the, one of my pet peeves is uh, when, when people talk about aftercare as if, as if the client or the patient makes a decision after treatment has been completed. The reality is treatment is not completed. It has just begun. The, the better term, I believe, is continuing care because it is, in fact, a process that continues long after that residential program is completed. Absolutely, and as a matter of fact, from you, I, I learned and I implement in my classrooms now, we don't do, we don't talk about uh, relapse prevention. Recovery enhancement. We, recovery enhancement and, and, and recovery plans. Absolutely. Because part of what I'm so, I feel so honored to do is educate the people who are going to be going out into our field uh, because I don't know if um, everyone's aware of this, but in Texas, 72.5% and a nationwide 80% of our addiction professionals are over the age of 50. So we've mm. got to get some new folks Got to get the new people, and you got to pay the new people. We sure do. We sure do. Well, you know, a lot of people I've seen all over the country come into this field, they get all excited, and then they get stolen away by mental health organizations and, and other organizations, both publicly and private, that are willing to pay a lot more money. Completely, completely. And 
that you know once we can become recognized as a as a profession with high quality people that are providing these services and stop letting it be okay that someone with another credential who has no experience in addiction or hasn't even taken a three-hour course in addiction not only are they able to treat them they're able to get paid substantially to do that and you know uh, the NADAC president said it to me uh, he said you know a medical doctor whose specialization is anesthesiology would never be allowed to practice orthopedics even though legally <laughs> right. he could right he would be sued well we're letting people with licenses yeah. practice addiction counseling because yeah. they have a license in something else and they're not trained to do that yeah. Paula Heller-Garland joining us tonight. She is the president of TAP, and she's also a professor at uh, UNT, University of North Texas. As a professor at UNT, what have you learned? I have learned so much in this position. I've been there, this is my fifth year. I've learned that uh, the addiction profession has come a long way from that when I was in school, 20-ish Plus. A while back. <laughs> a while back, years ago. We have come a long way. We do have more resources than we ever have. Um, there is an eagerness uh, for of people to help. And not just people in recovery anymore. People that have had people in their lives who've mm -hmm. struggled. And uh, our, our, uh, our students are very well prepared uh, in, in many settings to do this business. And they're, they're coming away with uh, phenomenal ideas. They're so creative. Something else I've learned just in the last year, although I love social media myself, I never realized what an outreach uh, free that we have. We have a, a opportunity today like no other to reach yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. And we can use that for the good. We, we can reach people across the globe just by the t touch of a, a, a key and and we can use that to to enhance our um, our communication with people that have addiction and uh, to give hope and to let people know that there there is hope, there is uh, uh, that recovery is a real thing and that we can focus on recovery now more than even just focusing on addiction and yeah. it's just it's phenomenal. We're really strengthening that bridge from treatment to recovery. In years past it was like treat and release. There would, there would be a treatment program and then more people would be concerned about getting the next person into the bed than following that person and, and being that support system and making sure that they have in fact sustained recovery that it isn't just going to be a, a, a recycle right. type of a situation. And, and I want to tell you something phenomenal that we're doing at the University of North Texas. The, the first one in the nation, uh, we have a collegiate recovery program that is um, uh, integrated. And, and by integrated, I mean that it's not just people in recovery from substance use disorder. We have people in recovery from mental health issues, from disordered eating, from all walks. Uh, we're putting it all together because we believe it's not different. Mm. We opened this weekend our very, very first sober living on campus. On campus? On campus, which it's important to uh, explain the difference to people. All, all housing on campus is supposed to be drug and alcohol free. <laughs> but, wink, wink. <laughs> but our, on our campus, we're, we're the uh, University of North Texas Eagles, so we call it the recovery nest. 
Ah, so people in this nice. dorm, I know, uh, people in this dorm are not only abstinent, but they're willing to work a program of recovery. Is there accountability? There's a lot of accountability. Uh, they have to go to a number of meetings. We have housed in our department. Mm -hmm. We have a facility for the collegiate recovery program. And, uh, you know, I, I think if Bill White says it mm -hmm. eloquently that uh, universities are... Uh, abstinent, hostile environments, and we want our college kids that are in recovery not to have to choose between recovery and college. Mm. We believe that education strengthens uh, their, their chances in life, and uh, we also know, because we're in the Department of Disability and Addiction uh, Studies, that we need to put people to work to get them better, not the opposite, not have people wait two years before they can start doing something. They can start giving back immediately, and when they become part of that program, they, they get to get a lot of services, but they also do a lot of work in the community and on campus and uh, have fun doing it too. We do sober tailgating, we do movie nights, we have a, a wonderful art program right now where we collaborate with another department who brings an art therapist training in training over and we do art therapy and we just we just do we do mindful eating once a week the the what the hell is <laughs> mindful eating? I'm afraid to ask, but I will. Uh, well, mindful eating comes from the concept of mindfulness, practicing right. mindfulness, right. staying in the now, mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And uh, once a week, the uh, the director of our, or the chair of our department actually goes down to the uh, group room and uh, she brings her lunch. And if anyone wants to join her, they just learn how to, you know, take an apple and see it and touch it and smell it and taste it instead of just eating without you know, mindlessly. Right, right. And uh, wow. it, it's a meditative practice, too, which is pretty phenomenal. Meditative eating. It, I kind of like that. It is. It is. If there's something cutting edge, UNT yeah. is doing it right now. I'm sure now. it is. It, Paula Heller-Garland joining us, uh, professor at uh, UNT, University of North Texas. She is also the president, outgoing president of TAP. Uh, you have been in office now for, what, two years? I have. And you've been in TAP a long time. I have. Uh, someone asked me the other day when I first started attending this conference, mm -hmm. and I counted back 13 or 14 years. Holy smokes. This is the 41st annual conference of TAP down here in San Antonio. What happens after this conference for Paula regarding TAP? I will be the immediate past president, so I'll be an advisor to our incoming president, Suzanne Lofton, and I will also serve on the board for another two years. Outstanding. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate all you have done, not only for uh, the state of Texas, but uh, for the field of addiction at large. Well, I'm going to go on record to say I appreciate the very same of you. Paula Hello Garland joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. We're broadcasting from the 41st Annual TAP State Conference on Addiction Studies down here at the Hyatt Regency Hill Country Resort and Spa, San Antonio, Texas. Short time out, back with a lot more right after this.